Greetings from South Central Alaska. It's February 5th and it's a Friday. Uh, we did a episode with forecasters Rick Toman and Brian Brettschneider on January 13th and today we're going to follow up with a part two of the interview. We talked a little bit about the career of being climatologists and what they would recommend for young people pursuing a career in science and technology of climatology. Now, Rick Toman is a climate specialist with Alaska Center of Climate Assessment and Policy at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Brian Brettschneider is a research physical scientist with National Weather Service Alaska Region. The question I have for these two is, uh, which organizations do you recognize as being established and the most reliable here in Alaska for informing the public about climate studies, impacts, and education outreach? Which ones do you follow for up-to-date information? Start off with Rick. Traditionally, we think about that that kind of question as as what what governmental entity or what academic entity would would fit that. But what we're seeing, I think, more and more is um, basically you know citizen driven uh, groups and. Um, and I think that you know that I think that's really important because that's where all action is is going to come from in the end is from is from individuals engaged like that and then working with governmental entities, state, borough, um, tribe, what what have you to to make things happen. Of course, as as citizen run uh, individual efforts. Um, some of them tend to be fairly um, short-lived. I mean, it takes time, dedication, and some kind of resources uh, monetarily and people's time to make those happen. But, um, you know, I think for for folks finding or, and getting involved with groups that are, are working in the area that you are concerned about, um, if you're mostly concerned about your specific community, find a way to, to engage there. If you're if you want to work at the larger level, say you want to uh, work to influence um, state policy, find groups that are working in that um, in that realm. Rick also suggests that working with groups that have been established for a while. He thinks that those groups that have been around for a while are kind of tried and true, and they often get more done. Now, Brian has his own version of the answer to this question. Here's Brian. A, kind of a bigger picture movement in the, in the weather and climate enterprise is, is really about communicating and engaging uh, with people, you know, stakeholders, whatever you want to call them, um, you know, and, and not so much, you know, in a laboratory, you know, conducting experiments or, or necessarily crunching numbers. Um, it, it's about, you know, meeting people where they are at and, you know, and, and there's, there's any number of, uh, of venues for doing that. Um, and so, you know, schools and, you know, universities and media and, and the, uh, speaking, uh, uh, you know, presentations and, and, and public engagements. And there's just, there's just lots of different ways and opportunities uh, to reach people. But, but again, it is about, you know, I think the, the old model of, of you know, of 
coming up with some information or some ideas and and hoping that that kind of trickles out and and that people kind of figure out what to do with it uh you know that that that's that model is gone uh, and and the new model is you know taking this information to the people and providing them with uh you know the tools necessary to make the best decisions possible now rick has a pretty close relationship with some of the tribes up in the coastal areas this next question is in regards to this year of 2021, um, in regards to the sea ice. Rick will explain more. Uh, sea ice uh, was um, quite late to form everywhere. Um, not as just yes or no ice was not as late as some years in most places, although in some, like Nome, it was pretty close. Uh, but one of the things that we've seen um, this winter is even though some ice shows up or, or ice comes, uh, basically in the Chukchi Sea on the Alaska side of the border with Russia and everywhere in the Bering Sea, the ice is uh, very thin. It's, um, it's mobile. There's little to no uh, shorefast ice yet, except probably in Kotzebue Sound. Um, but what this means is that um, that what you can do on the on the ice is still limited. I just saw a post uh, within the last few days that um, uh, even in Kotzebue, that elders were recommending people not go far from shore. Um, Nome right now has a little bit of ice right like right along the coast, but you can see water from Front Street. Um, the ice has been very in and out at places like Diomede and, and Gamble and Savunga on um, St. Lawrence Island. And so it's been, um, it's not that there's been no ice, but it, it's a good, I think this year is a good example of, it's not just yes or no ice, but what's the quality of the ice. And, um, and so far it's not been good. Now keep in mind this interview was recorded on January 8th and this is a whole month later almost now at February 5th. I think this is a result of a couple of different things. One, very warm ocean temperatures again uh, this uh, past summer. Um, unlike last year at this time where we were in a, in a cold pattern, um, this year in western Alaska, yeah, there's been some cold weather, but it hasn't been persistent. It's been cold for a week or a few days to 10 days, and then it, it warms back up and the winds shift around. That's not, um, that's not the way to grow and thicken up and stabilize ice. So um, it's certainly impacting some activities um, so far. Uh, on the plus side, we do know that, um, uh, for instance, um, bowhead whales did make it down uh, through uh, the Bering Strait and um, into around St. Lawrence Island in that open water. So, um, so that's, uh, that's good for folks there. Um, unlike, say, a couple of years ago when they were three years ago now, when they were um, still way up in the Chukchi Sea even after the first of the year. So uh, there's, it's certainly been um, impactful, and we'll just have to see how it plays out. But um, the rest of the season, it is still only early January. Um, there's time for the ice to thicken up. Uh, but... Um, at this point, with each passing week, uh, it's getting pretty, it's getting more difficult. 
The next question I asked Brian what he was looking forward to in the year of 2021. Here's what Brian has to say. The, the discussions on, you know, what, um, you know, where we stand with the climate uh, have shifted a little bit. I think, you know, the, the, the notion of, well, you know, what's causing the climate change and, you know, what, what role, say, do greenhouse gases do? Play, you know, I, I think there, there's there's more of a shift, more of an acceptance of the causes, and people are a little bit more focused on, uh, you know, possible, you know, mitigation efforts or, uh, or just solutions in general. So that that's that's hopeful. You know, when you look at um, uh, surveys that are done, you know, there, there's people people have a better understanding of the climate system. And, and I think there's, there's any number of reasons for that. Um, so I'm, you know, that's something uh, to look forward to. I think there's going to be a lot of movement, um, you know, at the national level to, to, to do more things over the next year or a couple of years. So, um, so that's exciting that it's going to be uh, perhaps more on the, uh, on the front front burner. Great. Yeah, I think there's um, a sense of hope in in the shift in that reality, and for um, the scientific community, I can only imagine that it's been um, an intense process to watch because it so much of it has related to funding and into your jobs and so forth. But I, I I'm hopeful, and I'm thinking that um, you know there could be some pleasant surprises because it really <laughs> would be hard to match what we've already been through. So. Here's what Rick is hopeful for in 2021. From our perspective here in rural Alaska, that that um, scientists are, I, I think, are much farther along than they were a couple of years ago in understanding the importance of that. Obviously, it's a process; it's going to take time, but um, I think we're we're well well advanced from where we were in the pre-COVID world, and I'm hopeful that as we go forward. And especially that meeting in person, the face-to-face interaction is so important. And I'm hopeful, really hopeful, that when when we can do that again, that we will have jumped several steps into the into the um, bringing all all the information that's available, all the ways of understanding to the table, and so that the end result will be much richer, much fuller, much more useful. Brian, what would you suggest to young people who are interested in uh, pursuing science and climatology as a career? You know, I actually get, I get asked this uh, fairly regularly. And, you know, there, there's, there's no really one satisfactory answer, probably. You know, I, I tell people, you know, it wasn't one person that invented the iPhone or the computer. You know, it, it, it represents the collective knowledge of, of many subdisciplines. And the same is true in science, climate science, atmospheric science. You know, there's, um, there, there's a broad understanding of, of, of the principles, but there's, there's a, an ocean of information and knowledge that, that still needs to be, uh, is waiting to be discovered. And so there's, there's, there are countless Disciplines, subdisciplines for people to go into. Um, so that that's that's the uh, that's, that's the big picture description. You know, probably you know drilling down a little bit more. You know, I would I would of course uh, say you know it, it all 
boils down to education and it, you know, you have to have a, if you have a passion for something, uh, you know, usually there's, there, there will be a path forward, uh, for you to, uh, to, to nurture that and to, and to develop it to the point where you can, you know, make that into, into a career. So, uh, so follow your passions, uh, you know, stay in school, you know, uh, I guess those are also some, some parenting advices, pieces of advice as, as well. Well, thanks for that, Brian. And, and thanks so much for speaking with us here at All Cooped Up Alaska. My pleasure. And here's Rick adding his sage advice of pursuing your passion as a career. Follow your passion, but there's a larger part of the world than just your passion. So don't be afraid to be, to be broad. If you're, if you're, uh, I, I want to do weather forecasting. Okay. That's great. Follow that. But be sure to, if you're in school, take classes about people because people are going to be using this information in the world going forward. Chances are your career in weather forecasting is going to involve a lot of interaction with people. So, so follow your passion, but be able to be broad too. Um, because that's, that's, that's the future. Uh, you know, and that's very different than it was when I was in school. You want you know, you, and I, you could, and did, you could do a year's worth of work in weather forecasting and almost never talk to anybody outside of your office. Those days are gone. They are never coming back. So, so follow your passion, but be sure to reach a little farther. And that concludes the 25th episode of All Cooped Up Alaska. Thank you for Rick Toman and Brian Brettschneider for speaking with us tonight. And we hope you have a great rest of your week. This is All Cooped Up Alaska, and I'm Katie Ryder. <laughs>